Today's lesson is entitled Training Day, The Blessing of Understanding. Training Day, The Blessing of Understanding. Most people remember the Denzel Washington movie called Training Day. Most people remember that movie uh, when it came out. And the premise of the movie is that a young trainee, uh, a new hire to the narcotics division of the police force, joins up with Denzel uh, to be trained. And although this turns out to be a bad training experience uh, that doesn't end well, the training process is still the same. So you can train people to be bad just as well as you can train them to be good. The key is that in both situations, whether they be bad situations or good situations, the key is to bring people to a point of understanding what it is they learn. All right. So what I'm saying is whether we're training, whether Denzel was training him to be good or bad, the goal of training is to make sure that the training is understandable by the trainee. Are you tracking? So the goal of training is to teach and mentor someone until they understand the subject at hand well enough to serve in that capacity on their own. So the goal of Denzel would have been to train this young mentee well enough to where he would be able to go out in the field and be able to duplicate what Denzel was doing uh, as an officer on his own. Uh, let me show you Webster's defines uh, the uh, word training in this way. The word training is thought to be to teach so as to make fit, uh, to make qualified or proficient. The word training is to form by instruction or discipline or drills, by a number of drills and, and practices. Uh, it is to make prepared as by exercise or exercises for a test of skill. So you're prepared, exercises are performed, processes are given, disciplines and drills are enacted for a test of your skill. But here's what I want you to understand. You must remember, we are training with the goal of gaining a new understanding. So while we're teaching so as to make fit, we're teaching to make qualified, we're teaching to make proficient, we're forming, we're forming something by instruction, by discipline. We are actually morphing or forming or developing something or someone uh, by discipline or drill to make them prepared as by the exercise or test of skill. But at the end of all of that, they must be able to understand what you have taught them so much so that they are able to duplicate it themselves. 
So as we said, the title of the sermon is Training Day, The Blessing of Understanding. So while training is the impetus, it is the progenitor per se, the understanding must be the result of that particular training. So let me explain to you then what understanding is. Let's look at the term understanding. Again, Webster's defines it as to have thorough or technical acquaintance with or expertness in the practice of, to be thoroughly familiar with the character and propensities of something. So to understand means you have to have a thorough, to, thorough technical acquaintance. You must be acquainted with it. You must have spent time with it. You must be familiar with it. You must get to a place, watch this now, of expertness. Training should never be for mediocrity. Training should never be for just complacency or just to get by. The goal of an understanding is to have proficiency, to be able to master the art or the skill in which you are training. So even though you're learned, you need training to understand. When we talk about the family business and we talk about opening franchises or becoming servants, services, uh, who are performing services for God in the earth, then we must be trained in our business and how we serve God in the earth. And that training must be done by someone who knows more than we do to bring us to a place where we are experts, we are masters, that we've been fully acquainted in the knowledge of the thing with which we have been training. So to have knowledge and facts is good, right? But understanding is knowing what to do with the knowledge and facts. A lot of people go to training, they learn the material, they learn, okay, you got the knowledge and facts, but you don't understand it. So if I give you a scenario outside of your test, you're not going to, you, and you can't answer that correctly, that means you don't understand the, the knowledge and the facts that you've gained. So understanding, watch this now, understanding is a separate blessing. It is a blessing from God in which it is called wisdom. So even God tells us that in all of your knowledge is make sure you get understanding. Make sure you get this wisdom with you, all right? So even though you get knowledge and facts and you train, when you train, you get the blessing of understanding. And so watch this, what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you train, God gives you understanding. That is a blessing, Listen to me. So the blessing part is not necessarily guaranteed. So when you go to a training, if you don't tap into God, if you don't see your training as from God, we'll talk about that later, then you may come through the training having got all the knowledge and the facts, but you don't have the blessing of understanding. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You're tracking. People want the blessing of things but knowledge and understanding is a blessing too. But not enough in us, uh, not enough of us are praying for that. People want cars, people want houses, people want money, people want dresses, they want clothes, they want a boo. But not enough of us are praying for the blessing of understanding. Oh God, I'm preaching already. We need a, a, a desire, we need a hunger 
for understanding. I, I know that our culture in particular, I mean, we, we could stand to read more books. We could look at more science channels and discovery channels and, 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 and go to more museums and, and do more reading and research and, and look at facts and documentation and writing and, and, and journaling. Even the writing helps you with your vocabulary. I want you to understand that blessing, that understanding is a blessing. So going into service, watch this now, going, listen, let me connect it. So going into service is a gateway to training and training is to more knowledge, which produces an understanding of what you're training. Let me go back. So when we say we want to enter into a service, we say, I want to be a nurse. All right. Well, you want to be a service. You want to be of service as a nurse. Then you've got to go to training to get the knowledge and the understanding of what that nurse is. And then you get the blessing of how to be a nurse. You actually become a nurse after you go through training and receive the blessing of understanding. And we'll see this later that no training ends or no blessing is manifested without a test first to see if you understand what matched your desire in the beginning. Because some people say they want to be a nurse, but once they get started in the training, people say it all the time, I want to be a doctor. Once they go through the training, once they see how much work is involved, they be like, never mind, I don't want to do it. I'm, I'm out, cross me out. So the point is, by the time we reach the end of our journey, it doesn't always match what we intended in the beginning. So if God calls us to serve, he's going to train us. That's what I want you to see. If we're been, we've been preaching about service and if God calls us to service, he's going to train us, which means he's going to give us facts. He's going to give us knowledge and he's going to give us the opportunity for the blessing of understanding. I want you to see how blessing is connected to a desire for service. Ah, you're going to miss it. When you accept a new job, the first week is usually training, right? When you go to the, well, what, what are we working on this week? They don't throw you right into a project. When you accept a new job, the first week is usually training. And what they're saying by training you is that we want you to get familiar with our business, our environment, our systems, etc. We want you to be a, an expert at our thing. Now, I know some of you out there, you are experts at your thing, but God is not calling you to be an expert at your thing because you are not God. So what he's asking you to do is come learn of me. That's what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me show you how to serve. Let me train you. Let me give you the blessing of understanding. So in today's text, we follow the journey of four young men who were singled out for training to serve the king of Babylon. They were called out specifically to serve King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, I mixed their names up there, their names, but they switched their names, their, their Hebrew names to the uh, uh, Babylonian names. So let's look at Daniel chapter one. We're going to look at Daniel chapter one, verses three through five. We're going to look at 17 through 20, but let's first look at uh, the verses three through five to get an idea of what we're going to share. So look at three through five. Then the king ordered Asphenaz, 
chief of his court officials to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So let me just give you clarity here uh, that these were the Babylonians um, looking for people from the Israelites to serve while they were in captivity. The children of God were put in captivity. They were overtaken by Babylon. And so the king is looking for somebody to serve. In other words, we acquired your company. We're looking for your workers to work for us. So let's train them in Babylonian culture, right? So verse number four says, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So the first aspect then, uh, as we look at this, the, the, the last part of that text that they were going to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians, the first aspect of this text we must understand in training is we must qualify. We must qualify for training. That training isn't offered just to anybody and everybody. We must qualify for it. All right. So this is the first aspect of understanding training and understanding to qualify. So let's see what qualifies us for training. Let's see if if we could be in training. If God called us to service, would he bring us into training? So let's look at this. Look back for, at the first verse uh, of verse three. Training has uh, uh, has you have to first qualify. So the text said. The king ordered Asphanas, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from where? The royal family and the nobility. So when God calls us to service, he sees us as a royal family. He calls us as nobility. In other words, we are of a high rank and a high quality. We are of a high rank and a high quality, which qualifies us for training. So, and why wouldn't we? We're part of his family, right? Why? If, if we're in the family business, is not God's family royalty? Is not he of nobility? So when you see yourself of service, when you talk about would I qualify for this job? Am I good enough for this particular interview? Um, could I actually do this thing? I want you to see yourself as qualifying for God's training because you come from royalty. You come from a noble family. Well, how do I know? How do I know? PC, how do you know? Well, I can tell you. First Peter 2 and 9, you have to look it up on your own, but First Peter 2 and 9 says we are a chosen generation. Uh-oh. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, and we have been acquired people who belong to God. So I want you to understand this now. We are a holy nation. We are a chosen uh, generation and that God has acquired us. In other words, he has purchased us as, as his family. So get this now. So just as Nebuchadnezzar, just as King Nebuchadnezzar had taken over the Israelites, 
he acquired their workers, their soldiers, their people, and he used them for training. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that God acquired us. We are a peculiar people. We have been purchased by God. We have been acquired by him, which means he is enlisting us in service, which means we don't know nothing about the kingdom of God. We don't know anything about heaven. So he says, let me train you. So God called you because you have what it takes to do the job. And so God is not setting you up for failure. He's calling you to train with him. And what I'm trying to get you to see is don't be afraid of new opportunities. Don't be afraid of new things that God is introducing you to. Because if it is of God, if it is his will, guarantee he's going to train you. He's going to give you the tools and the skills necessary to represent him well in the job force or the service activity in which you are performing. God doesn't want his kingdom to look bad. God doesn't like his children going around looking broken, disgusted, and disheveled. God wants us to have what we need. God provides for us. God gives us what we need because we represent his kingdom. God, I wish somebody would understand what I'm saying. So look at then verse four. Look at verse four of the same uh, passage. It says, they were young men. They were without physical defect. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is still a part of qualification. They were physical, without physical defect. They were handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So listen to this. God calls us not only because he acquired us. In other words, we're qualified not just because we're acquired, but God calls us both for our physical abilities. Yes, he calls us for our physical abilities. God can't use a dead person. Am I right? He needs you to be healthy. He needs you to be able to walk. He needs you to be able to talk. I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I wasn't able to physically get around. Even when you go to a job interview, sometimes on the job description, they say, the description says, able to lift 25 pounds, able to stand for long periods of time. That's a reference to physical aptitude. That's the ability to be able to do the job. So take care of yourself. Part of qualifying is to make sure that you are physically adept. And yes, appearance matters. Why? Because when you go out in the world, people are going to see you. And that's why you dress up to go to a job interview, right? Appearance matters. You don't just go in there in shorts and flip-flops because they're going to judge you on appearance as well. So not only are you physically adept, but not only appearance, then you've got to be able to be learned. People are interested in you because of how you look as well as how you think. They need to know that you can take information, you can process it effectively. And so the text said they had the aptitude for every kind of learning. They had the aptitude. In other words, they were well read. They were well informed and quick to understand. And I don't want to be a pastor who just gives you messages that doesn't require you to think, that don't make you uh, question some of the things that I talk about to make you dig deeper. Now, here's the key. Here's the key. They were qualified to serve in the king's palace. And so after all of this, he was to teach them everything. They qualified to do what? To serve in the king's palace. Listen to me. So not only are you qualifying for the training, watch this now, 
we enlist you in training because we believe you will qualify for the service. Oh my God. If I don't think you can do the service, I'm not going to really waste my time training you. So if God calls you to service, he already sees that you're able to serve. But before he releases you to serve, he says, I need you to be competent in training. So he qualifies you first to make sure he's worth tra- you're worth training them. Uh, he's worth going to train you. So are you qualified? That's the question. Are you qualified? Yes, you are. Are you a royal priesthood? Are you from nobility? Yes. Are you physically capable? Do you have the aptitude in the mind to learn? Yes. If God called you to serve, that means he has already determined that you're worth training. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. We're an asset to God's kingdom when we're both mentally and physically fit. Amen. I know we work on the physical, but we also need to work on the mental as well. We spend hours working out, running and lifting weights and doing all kinds of things. But how much time do you spend on literature? How much time do you spend on challenging your mind? How much time do you spend on reading? How much time do you spend on looking at difficult, complex situations and trying to work them through? I know that we need flatter stomachs and I know we need stronger lungs, but we also need gifted and strong minds. We better ourselves by enlisting in a service in which we know we need training. So don't enlist in programs you already know how to do it. Try something new. God has an insight for you from learning natural and new things. Listen to me. So don't just see yourself in line. getting a part of things that you already know. If you already know it, it's probably not God bringing you to it. Your land of service is after you get time with training. Listen to me. I knew I was gifted to speak. I knew that there were a lot of things that I was born naturally to do. But even in that, I needed training. When I was a kid, I could play the piano. I could play instruments and I didn't take a lesson. But even in that, it's still, the gift can still be developed. All of us have been given a gift that we are to serve with. But that gift must be trained. And I'm telling you, if you take that gift and say, I want to serve God and try to bypass training, and you think you know it already, I guarantee you, you're probably serving in an area in which God has not called you to. The area in which you have been called to serve will require training. Even Paul had to be taken away for three years. He had to be trained in the, ah, God, am I talking to anybody? If you're good at what you do, you can be better. I'll say that again. If you're good at what you do, you can be better. My speaking skills now, oh, I was good back then, but I am so much better than what I was then. No one trains in the Olympics to just be good. If you take your gift and just set out and serve, all you're going to do is be good. You'll never be the best. You'll never get the gold. You'll always just place. No one trains in the Olympics just to be good. Everybody is running on that track or competing in that event to take that one stand for the gold. Everyone competing was competing for the highest podium during the medal ceremony. And I came to say to somebody today that your life 
life must be in tune with God enough to get the training you need to enlist in the service that has been developed and created just for you. And when you follow God's directions, he will prepare the platform and the podium for you and for your gold medal. Ah, God, we'll talk about that in a minute. But not only must we qualify, we must learn to be adaptable. Somebody say adaptable. Look at this. I want you to understand when I talk about being adaptable, we talk about being able to adjust to new conditions. It means that I'm modifiable for a new purpose. I feel preaching. It means then that I am modifiable for a new purpose. I am able to adjust to new conditions. In other words, God can take something. We are clay in the hands of the potter. And when he puts us on the wheel, he forms us. Uh, notice this. Notice this. He's not replacing our clay. He's just forming it. Uh, God is not replacing your gift. God is not making you something you are not already. He's just forming and he's developing. He's mastering what he's already put in you. Oh God, I wish you could hear what I'm preaching. Let me explain to you what I mean. Watch this now. The text says in verse four, he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. This meant then that they had to be adaptable. So the end of verse four, the end of verse four says they were to be taught the language and the literature of the Babylonians, which meant then that they had to come out of their Israelite background, and they had to be able to identify with the Babylonian background. So training, watch this now, is not about doing things your way. It's about learning to do things in a different way. Watch this now. Many of us go into training or we go into service and we try to tell the trainers or the other people how it should be done. That's not adaptability. Adaptability is being able to take what you know and learn and you go into someone else's house and you let them tell you how it is to be done. It's amazing to me how we actually think we know more than God. How sometimes we make choices in life and feel like we don't need God. It's like we ignore him. When God says, I called you, I gifted you, I provided the service for you and you won't listen to me, you have to be adaptable. God didn't call you so you could live your life your way. He's training you to live life his way. And that's why many Christians are absolutely, utterly frustrated. You're frustrated because you can't live the way you want to. Well, I got news for you. That's the way it's supposed to be. You were called to live in the way in which God called you. The fact, listen to this, the fact that they had to learn language and literature meant they had to learn the culture in order to be an asset to it. Oh, I like that. They had to learn the language and the literature of the Babylonians, which means they had to learn the culture. So how in the world are you going to go and serve God in a culture that you haven't even researched? Let's 
let's say you're going to go minister in an Asian culture, or let's say you work downtown in Koreatown, but all you know is Compton or the hood, which is predominantly, which is African American or Latino. And then you go and try to serve in an Asian culture, but you haven't learned the language. You don't know the background of why Asians do things the way they do, and you affect, you expect to be impactful. I'm telling you, you are a novice and you have not trained. You have failed to prepare yourself to let God use you. Now, you could take the culture in any kind of different way. You could say it's a technology culture. Uh, it's a fitness culture, but you don't work out. You're going into an economical culture, but you broke as I don't know what. You don't even have a savings plan. You don't even know what an IRA is, and you're trying to tell somebody else how to manage their financial portfolio. You have failed to train yourself. You are a novice, and it's too many Christians out here saying I'm serving God and you have failed to understand the culture. You say you want to minister to homosexuality in the LGBTQ uh, community, but you don't know nothing about the L- the community. You haven't studied it. You don't you don't have any idea of how to minister. You don't know how they think. You don't know what is happening with them. But all you want to do is just beat them with the Bible. That is wrong. You have failed to train. We cut talking. I feel them now. We have to learn the culture within which we live. We have to learn the people. I learned this in seminary. The teacher told me, he said, you have not been called to teach the Bible. And everybody looked at him like, what you mean we ain't been called to teach the Bible? He says, you've been called to teach people the Bible. In other words, we don't go out there and teach the Bible to buildings and stones and rocks. We teach them to living human beings. And living human beings have language. They have culture. They have literature. They have established backgrounds. And unless you understand their culture, you will not be as impactful in ministering or serving. Is anybody tracking this? So we too must learn the language and literature of those we're trying to reach, but we have an advantage. Watch this now. Watch this, Joy. We have an advantage because often the very people we're trying to reach, guess what? We come from the people who are alcoholics or liars or cussers or stealers or depressed or lost a job or foreclosed house. Guess what? That's us. God pulls his servants from different realms of life. So quit being so judgy. We all come from those backgrounds. The point of training is to assimilate you into the new environment to where you can have impact while serving on your own after a period of time of training. So God takes, remember I told you God takes what you already know. Let's say you were alcoholic, but you've been clean for 10 years. Now God is saying, okay, you've been clean, but let me train you now. He's not training you on how to stay sober. He's training you on how to serve other people to help them get. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? So training should be intentional to completion. A timeline should be set with goals to accomplish by that time. And so look at verse five, look at verse five. It's says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for how long? For three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. I don't want you to miss that. Let me say that again. They were to be trained for three years. That's a period where you're training. You're not serving. 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 You're training. training. And some of you out there are mad because you aren't serving, but God says you're 
you're in training. You're not just doing nothing, you're in training. There's a period of time in training and training must be completed before you go into service. So he says they were trained for three years and after that they were to enter into the king's service. Let me go a little deeper here, can I? And so verse five tells us they were to serve three years, then entered the king's service. It takes about three years. Listen to me. It takes about three years to really adapt to a new environment and not to be identified as a transplant. In other words, if you go and try to set up shop somewhere, people know right away you're a visitor. You, you People could tell you're a tourist because you haven't assimilated to the environment. You stand out. You stroke like a beacon of light. In other words, when people can tell a Christian coming miles away, they got the track in the hand, they got you, you can't reach people by standing out that way. A lot of times I don't tell people, I don't tell friends I'm a pastor, I don't tell friends a minister because I want to adapt, I want to get into their culture, I want them to get to know me because if I tell them I'm a minister right away, they're going to change their behavior based on my title. Ah, God, I wish you could have some understanding here. So what I'm trying to say is it takes three years, it takes time to adapt. So what am I saying? You've been trying to minister to your friend for two weeks and they ain't getting it. You're mad and you broke up the friendship because you feel like they aren't listening. It takes time to win. Can't talk it. It takes time to win people. Be patient. Be their friend. Go to the drink bar with them and you don't have to drink like a sailor with them. Just they like your friendship. They'll respect the choices you make. They just want to know will you show up. And it takes about three years to really get in somebody's. Ah, God, never mind. I got to move on. Even the first breaking point. Listen to me. Even the first breaking point of marriage. Do you know what that number is? Three years. Three years is two to three years is where they have the first fallout. And it shows, watch this now, it shows if we are going to be adaptable or not. In other words, those two people are trying to learn how to live with each other. In those first one to three years, I mean, they are fighting. I mean, they're trying to figure, no, I like the cold water hot. I like the bed cold. I like the air on. I like food hot. I like it at six. I like, what are we doing? We're trying to be adaptable. And three years, puppy is the breaking point. That's when people decide, look here, are we going to do this or not? So I'm telling you, don't be mad. Don't divorce right away. You still in the first trimester. Even a woman who's pregnant. Oh, morning sickness, all kinds of different stuff happening. Hang on, baby. You just in the first. (laughs) Come on, somebody. My question is what you're trying to determine. Can your marriage or situation be labeled adaptable possible. In other words, can your are you looking at your life and saying it's adaptable possible? In other words, what you're saying is I'm still just getting trained. This still has possibility. This job I don't have to quit. I'm still learning it. I'm still training. I wish I'd have listened to my own counsel today. I would be further along. So many of us want the job and we want to be turned loose. But no, God says you must be trained for a period of years before I give you leadership status. We haven't shown ourselves to be adaptable yet. God doesn't release you in service if you are not adaptable. God doesn't want you going out there and playing God. He wants you going out there and playing people. Ah, God. And that's what the Christian 
human mentality often shows and demonstrates that we in some way are inferior or we're superior to other people and the sinners are inferior. God didn't say, I don't want you to go be God. I want you to go and be the same thing of what you're talking. That's what we call adaptability. So you are wondering why you won't want things won't get going for you. It's because you won't complete your training and most trainings end with the test and some of you can't pass the test but you still want promotion but you fail to be adaptable but here's the good news Shauna here's the good news I don't want you to miss training leads to a blessing ah God training leads to the blessing of understanding so remember I told you the goal of our training is understanding look at this let me remind you of it Remember, the goal of our, our, our training is to understand. It is to have a thorough or technical acquaintance with or expertness of the practice of, to be thoroughly familiar with the character and propensities of it. So I want you to understand, we have to be able to be in the position to understand that God has a blessing for us that will come to the point of understanding. So let's look then at this next verse. As we try to understand, verse 17 says, so we talk about this understanding aspect. It says, to these four young men, to these four young men, watch this, God gave knowledge and what? Understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could what? Understand visions and dreams of all kind. Somebody say understanding. Somebody say understanding. So to these four men, what I want you to understand, God gave. Look at verse 17. God gave knowledge and understanding. I want you to know that the understanding is a blessing from God. So verse 17 says, God gave the knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. The point is that while they learned it, God gave it to them. God, in other words, you go through the training, but God gives the understanding. I don't want you to get mixed up thinking that it is your responsibility to master the understanding. It's your responsibility to master the knowledge and the It's your job to do the work, but let God give you the understanding. Oh my God. So many of us are trying to end and solve it ourselves. God said, let me be the solver. You just be the worker. All God wants us to do is agree to do the training. Will you go to training? That's all God is asking of you today. Will you go to train? He will give us the knowledge. He will give us the understanding. And that's why we call it a blessing because God gave it to us. And anything God gives to us is a blessing. I'll say that again. Some of you wondering what a blessing is. Anything that God gives you is a blessing. The training we've undergone is done by others. Watch this now. The training we've undergone is done by others. A pastor, a teacher, a boss, an employer. The training is done by others, but the understanding is given by God. That trainer is not giving me understanding. God is. That trainer is giving me the facts, is giving me the knowledge of their years of experience. And what he gives us beyond the knowledge received, watch this now, because I want you to understand what understanding is. God gives us beyond the knowledge received from the trainer. He gives us the ability to learn.
learn the processes by which we've learned. Oh, you're going to miss it. In other words, while I have learned from the trainer knowledge and facts, God says, I'm going to teach you the ability to learn the processes by which you learn the knowledge and the facts. In other words, don't just give a person a fish, but teach them how to fish. In other words, I'm going to teach you how to learn the very same things your trainer learned so that you can reproduce what was taught to you. God is saying too many times you're walking away from training with just the facts. But God says beyond the facts, I'm going to teach you how to learn the process by which you got those facts. Is anybody tracking? That's what knowledge and understanding is. We study to learn the information, but our understanding of that information is what gives us the adaptability to know what to do with it in any given situation, and that's discipleship. So my point is, God says, get the facts, but when you start serving, it ain't a classroom. It's not It's not a, a, a multiple choice test. When you have to go pray at the hospital, somebody's dying, or you have to go comfort somebody who lost their loved one, or you have to go bail somebody out of jail, there ain't no essay. What do you do? The only way you know what to do in those instances is you understand your gift and you understand the facts and how to apply them. Man, when I first started going to hospitals and I was a young cat and I walked through and I'm clergy and I walked through, but what do you, what do you do? How do you know? Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes the family don't want you there. Sometimes the family are atheists. Sometimes they don't want you to hold their hand. Sometimes you got to know how to adjust. You you got to learn how to adjust on the fly. I've been at pulpits. I've been in podiums speaking to a group of people that was not the people that I was called to speak to. I had to adjust my sermon to be able to accommodate. I'm telling you, life will deal you a blow. And if you don't understand it, you won't know how to apply God. Are you tracking? We mustn't live our lives so pre-scripted and cookie-cuttered. Sometimes there are no direct answers and we have to figure them out based on our understanding of God, not just knowing God. Oh, you're going to miss that. I have to understand God, not just know God. And there are a lot of people who know scripture, but they don't understand scripture. And scripture with an understanding allows for wisdom to be able to know what to do. Thank God for pastors who know what to do. Oh my God. We can never fully understand him. That's true. But we can use the understanding he has given us to make wise decisions in life. And some of us have made stupid choices and bad decisions simply because we did not understand. That is the reality of life. Some things won't be yes or no. God gives us the tools in training to be able to reach the best solutions when there is no right or wrong answer. God says when it ain't black and it ain't white but it's stone gray I'll still tell you which is the best. God I wish I had some people who love Jesus because I've been there baby. Live long enough it ain't always left or right it's not always yes or no sometimes there are moral things there are ethical things that take place and man the church will sure tell you 
You did the wrong thing, but in God's eyes, it was the right thing. It was the right thing because it came from the heart. It didn't come from the literature. It didn't come from the church policy. It didn't come from the tradition of religion. It came from the heart who sincerely sought God for what was his will in that situation. And my choice on Tuesday for that situation may not be your choice in the same situation on Wednesday. Every situation is different. Every training brings about a different result. But this is what leads us to the third aspect of training and our final aspect that we must embrace. I like this one. I'm running out of time. But we must learn what's called personal uniqueness. Ah, I love that. Personal uniqueness. Check this out. Trainers, listen to me, leave it up. Trainers don't train for a blanket reproduction of mass duplicates of the same thing. Nobody's training people to be the the exact replica of the trainer who's training. Every person in training, though they all learn the same things, have a personal uniqueness that gives them their own specific places on the team, their own places of service. So what I'm saying is while the trainer is training you and while we're all sitting there in the same situation, while we're all sitting there and training in the same situation, God is giving each one of us personal uniqueness. He's saying, I'm going to use you one way. I'm going to use you one way. I'm going to use you one way. But guess what? All the material we're getting is the same. Nobody's getting their own track. Nobody's getting their own syllabus. We all have the same syllabus, but out of that same material, God is saying, I've got a personal Talk it. Man, this message is good. Listen to me. Let's look at this final verses. The end of 17 says this. He says, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. That was his mission. That was his personal uniqueness. Daniel's job, Daniel's coup, Daniel's thing was visions and dreams. But he went to the same training as the three other guys, right? But they became masters. He became a master of dreams of all kinds. Now watch this. Daniel could understand. There it is. That means that no matter what the dream was, that means no matter what the vision was, Daniel could understand. Oh man. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying that you will enter into a service that no matter what the situation is, no matter what kind of situation it is, you understand what to do. Are you getting this? There will be nothing you encounter that God has not trained you to be uh, in your personal, as long as you're serving in your personal uniqueness, in your category of gifting. So while verse 17 says God gave them all knowledge, we looked at verse 17 at the first part of it, God gave them all knowledge and understanding. Daniel's personal uniqueness was visions and dreams. So while they all learned knowledge and understanding, Daniel Daniel's unique niche niche was dreams and visions. So it is your personal uniqueness that places you into service. Ah, you're going to miss it. So you have a desire to serve. God decides to train you. He trains you. Everybody gets the same material, but it's your personal uniqueness that you gain out of the training that catapults you into service. 
Somehow, God has to show you what your thing is while you're training. And some of you just want to go out and do. And God says, no, I don't want, I don't want people out there just doing. I want people serving in their personal uniqueness because that's where they get the gold, the star. Remember, training isn't necessarily serving. It is preparation for service. So the boys did three years before they entered into service. And I would venture to say that while Daniel was learning, listen to me, while Daniel was, listen to me, while Daniel was learning everything else about the Babylonian literature and language, I'm telling you, Daniel was learning something about himself. And that's what I'm telling you discipleship is. You think you're just a Bible study learning Exodus and learning scriptures. No. You're learning the same material everybody else is learning. They're serving out of the same manual. They've got the same Bible in Korea that they've got in the United States and all over the world. It's the same material, but in learning the material, you're learning yourself. And why you learn yourself, that's when you discover your personal God uniqueness. Yes, you're studying Moses, but you found out you've got some Moses tendencies. And in other words, the things that you saw Jacob do, there may be some things that God is calling you to do. And so his personal uniqueness was found in the midst of studying Babylonian literature. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want you to understand while you're learning at West LA College, while you're learning at UCLA, while you're learning chemistry and geometry, God is teaching you something about your personal uniqueness. He was learning the thing that would soon shape his destiny and life relevance. Our service for God can lead to insight and understanding beyond the average person. So even though, listen, God teaches us in our own language, even though we're sitting in the same classroom as others, he discloses dimensions of truth in parables of the common until we become more than common. We become teachers and leaders in our own rights. We become more aware of ourselves. All I'm saying is that when we are sitting in the room with everyone else, everything is common. But in the commonality of the group, God speaks to us as individuals. I'm preaching to all of you, but God is saying one thing to each one of you in a very specific way. Preach, Pastor Cherry. And it is from that training that we identify the one God-given talent that makes us superior to any other in our field or sphere of influence. Listen to me. There may be someone, there may be someone better somewhere in the world, but in your circle of service, God trains you to be the best in your field. Listen to what I'm saying. You may be, let's say, your math teacher, right? But you, there's another math teacher in Australia who can wipe you off the map in how they teach. But in terms of Long Beach, you are the math teacher extraordinaire in Long Beach. My point is, God designs a place of service for you to serve where you rise to the top of your crop. I'm telling you, when you go through training and discover who you are and you become the best 
best at what God has called you in your personal uniqueness, there is not another person in your sphere, your friendship realm of your sphere of influence in your region that can do it better than you. And I know this is true. There are preachers, there are pastors who can preach better than me, but I don't run in their realm. In the realm of what I do, in the sphere of what I do, I am the best preacher, orator, teacher in the personal uniqueness of the way I do it. You can search all you want to online, but in my classification in terms of my size of church and my scope of ministry, there is not another pastor who does it the way I do it because out of my training, God gave me this specific service out of a personal uniqueness that only Pastor Cherry can do. And when that time comes for me to stand on the medal ceremony of the platform, God will give me a gold because he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You executed exactly what I asked you to do. And there is nobody else who I'm looking to compare you to because nobody else can do it. And isn't that just like God? God says, I am God and beside me, there is none other. In other words, he makes us like him. And so when we find our unique giftedness, you don't have to be insecure, boo. You're not competing with anybody. You are the only person in LA who can do that. You are the only person in the bakery business who bakes cakes the way you do. You are the only person who drives Uber the way you do. You're the only one who offers the incentives and the business incentives the way you do. God, oh my God, you're the only one who has the stylist booth in this particular region and you give everybody a a smile when you come in with a card. You do it your way and God says you're not competing against anybody, you've got this niche locked up. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So Daniel was superior at dreams and vision, and that is what he was used so powerfully for with the king. Yes, there were many other things he did, but it was the interpretation of the dreams that purposed the story of God further in the book of Daniel. Daniel interpreted dreams. That's what he did. Daniel is famous for the story about the writing on the wall in Daniel chapter 5. He was appointed, remember the, the, the hand came up and was writing on the wall. He was appointed the chief of the magicians. It was Daniel who came in. They said, we don't know what this means. Find somebody who can interpret it. Call Daniel. Anytime there was a dream in Babylon that could not, what I'm trying to tell you, I'm telling you, people will call you uh, when there's a need for your, what I'm saying, if you go through training, God will equip you to have what people need so that you don't have to go to them. They will call, God dog it, ow. Daniel is famous. He was the magician. He was the chief of the magicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, and diviners. Listen to me. He said he was the chief of them, meaning that there were others, but he was the chief. In other words, it's not that you're the only business. It's just that you're the only business who does it the way you do it. Are you getting this. I'm telling you, you're not in competition. You're just doing it the way you, God has called you to do it. <laughs> he was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams. He was able to explain riddles and he was able to solve difficult problems. This was his niche, his area, his calling. In other words, Daniel understood dreams. In other words, people come with complexes. You know what this means? He said, let me take a look at it. Never seen it before, but let 
me take a look at it. Because they understand what needs to be done. This is what pays our bills. Listen to me carefully. This is what pays your bills. This is what opens doors for you. This is what brings you before great people. Knowing your gift and knowing your service in your personal uniqueness, going through training and deciding to be the person God has called you to be, that's how you get your bills paid. That's how you live in the area you want to live. That's how you make sure you have clothes on your back, food on your table, and a roof over your head and extra to bless other people. This is what gives you the fulfillment of purpose in life. It creates strides in your gait. It gives you tremendous security and it removes jealousy because you ain't competing with nobody else in the world. You ain't got to be scared of her. You ain't got to question whether he's looking at your man or looking at you. It don't matter. God has gifted you. Cat dog it. He's gifted you with that realm and that sphere and that platform. Don't you want this? Don't you want this kind of personal uniqueness? But most trainings end with some sort of certification or proof of completion or approval of some sort. So I end with this. Look at this. You need approval. You need to be cleared for service. Come on, somebody say the the airport runway clear, clear for takeoff, clear for service. Somebody's been in training for a long time. Somebody's been going through difficult situations. You're trying to figure it out. You've been faithful though. And what we all need is an approval, a clearance for service from someone more experienced than we are. When I complete my IT trainings, when I complete my IT workshops, I get a certificate as proof, a paper approval that I understand the material and have been cleared for service. And I fax it to people that I'm going to be a consultant for. I say, here's my certification. I am IT certified. And they say, okay, that's your proof that you are ready. For, do you get what I'm saying? The only thing standing between you fulfilling your purpose and entering the field of life service for God is your certification of approval. Somebody say, God, give me a certification of approval. But if you haven't been accountable to anyone, if you haven't been in training, then no one can send you out. Nobody can send. Listen to me. You cannot serve God without someone sending you out. You cannot self-send. God's people do not self-send. Even Jesus had to be verified and confirmed by John the Baptist. In the water, it was John who laid hands and said, behold, the son, the lamb of God. And the dove came down and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, Jesus was sent in a sense by John the Baptist. The father sent him. John the Baptist confirmed it. Timothy didn't serve without Paul. Paul wasn't sent until the the, the apostles uh, uh, observed him. What I'm trying to tell you is that even Paul sent people out. Even in the Bible, everybody who served had to be sent. Even when you're looking for another job, you ask for a reference letter, right? The reference letter is saying, approve me, validate my experience. You're asking for someone who you've worked for with three or more years to vouch it. There it is. You can't, they're not asking for a reference somebody you worked for two months. They say you don't even know them. But if you worked with somebody for three or more years, that's valid. Remember, three years of training and then enter service. So God isn't going to send you if no one around you can vouch for you. No 
nobody, if nobody can vouch for your training, God ain't sending you to serve. So don't be mad at God because you won't submit to nobody. Because God needs to know that you understand. Look at verses 18 through 20 as we wrap this up. 18 through 20 says, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh Uh-oh, there he is, present them. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they what? They entered the king's service. Why? Because they they followed, they got their approval, right? So 20 says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, look at this, 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. All I'm trying to tell you is that these verses intimate that at the end of three years, at the end of three years, they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar for approval. The king talked with them and he found that there was none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So the king enlisted them in the service. And so after our training, God speaks with us to see if he can put us in the field. The harvest is ripe, y'all, but the laborers are few. We got to pray for people to go into training. And I'm telling you, the training is the difference in making you 10 times better than your uh, opponents or your people who are trying to do the same thing you're doing. There is none better. There is none equal to you when you go through God's training. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece prepared unto a specific work. In other words, we are pre-prepared to that which he has called us to walk in. In other words, the work God called us to do has been pre-prepared and he prepares us to do the job that he pre-prepared. God dog it. I'm telling you, it's a no-lose situation. And verse 20 says, he found them to be 10 times better. Do you see that? 10 times better than all the magicians. God wants you to be the best in your area and sphere of influence. I'm preaching to you about the family business month after month because I want you to be the best. I don't want you to just be a Christian out there saying, oh, God loves you. I'm trying to get you to find out where your gifts and skills are, get in some training and be the best. God wants you in your sphere with your personal uniqueness. He will make you 10 times better than everyone else in your sphere if you just agree to serve him his way. But it all begins with training, y'all. And if we're going to be God's people in the earth serving in various fields, let there be a call back in the church uh, for training. We need more training, i.e. Sunday school. We don't have Sunday school much no more. Sunday school was training. Discipleship programs, small groups, training. Bible studies, training. Small groups, training. You know, retreats, training. Oh, but everybody, nobody got more time than just an hour on Sunday. All I can do is an hour on Sunday. And bless God, if you go an hour and a half, they done left you and quit and won't give no more. It don't take that long to do church. Yeah, that's right. And it don't take that long to fail. But I'm telling you, when you want to be excellent in God, when you want to serve him in the way that he called you to serve, you will put in the time and you will do the work. Because when it comes time to stand on that podium for that ceremonial medal, nobody wants gold. Nobody wants the bronze when they could have had the gold. Nobody wants that. If I can get the gold, give me the gold. So my conclusion is this, folks. 
I'm glad you stayed with me. I know there isn't much credence put on learning anymore these days, but there is an advantage to being trained in something, and training only happens if you have something to train for. It only happens if you've got something to train for. And if you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, and I don't know what I've been called to do. Well, I'm telling you, you've been qualified, and you need to get in that training. You've been adaptable. You need to be adaptable. You need to find your personal uniqueness so you can walk in your understanding and in your truth. A service, a job, etc. I'm not asking you to take 10 classes. I'm not asking anybody to go enroll in college. All I'm asking you to do is open your life to the training of God. There is so much more you can learn from being trained by the trainer. You will gain the blessing of understanding. Understanding understanding what you have learned and understanding what you specifically have been called to do. People are impatient. People are just straight out lazy and they know it all. I don't need to be trained. I know it all. Have you ever tried to train somebody? You're trying to train somebody who's telling you what to do while you're training them. Listen, you don't know the area. Let This is God's training on your life. And consequently, we, have, we, haven't, we don't have enough workers in the vineyard to fend off the devil and arm the earth with more troops of love because all these Christians know it all. Everybody knows it all. And constantly, the devil's kicking our butt. So welcome to training day. The blessing of understanding. I want you to put conclusion back on the screen. I want you to look at the bottom of that. K-K-A-G-N-O-M. K-K-A-G-N-O-M. Anybody know what that stands for? This is training day. And I couldn't complete the sermon without the famous line from Denzel's movie. K-K-A-G-N-O-M. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> so Daniel would have said it like this. He would have said, Babylon ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> this is training day. It is the blessing of understanding. I'm PC and that's all I've got.